And welcome back to MNCAA episode number 22. And if you guys didn't love Max and Noah enough, well, here we're back again for the third installment, guys. Uh, it is the Battle of the Dogs, and uh, it goes back and forth and back and forth, and uh, at least not down a flight of stairs. So that's the good news. Um, but what might not be good news for at least UMD fans is, uh, well, the, the next couple of games uh, will not be played at Amsoil Arena, as I think even for Huskies fans who had to, would you know have an ask an honest opinion. I don't think even they expected the series to be uh, away. Uh, at least from Am Soil was ex- not expected to be at the Herbrex National Hockey Center. Uh, so let's just uh, get the tough conversation out of the way first, and let's discuss how we got here, uh, Max. Because I see you staring down at your keyboard. Maybe it's best we start with you. Uh, let's talk about this weekend and how uh, things, probably for lack of a better phrase, slipped away for the Bulldogs a little bit. Yeah, um, the the overtime loss or overtime win, I should say, and then follow it up by a regulation loss is, you know, the I don't want to say worst case scenario. Obviously, getting swept is worst case scenario, but it's the worst of the best situation. You guarantee yourself, you know, a, a at least 500 record, so you're going to be eligible for the NCAA playoffs, assuming that you make the top 16, which was the ultimate goal, is is what as we talked about last week. But to drop the the second game in regulation and and let that home ice slip was less than ideal uh, for the Bulldogs. And it's not necessarily that it was just one game. Um, Obviously, there's a a couple of them that they can look back on. Miami last week getting swept in northern Michigan, given they had, uh, you know, backups in there and and all the other injuries going on. But it wasn't just the one game that you can kind of look back on. It was just the one that hurt the most. And, and Noah, obviously for St. Cloud fans, us, you know, kind of, you know, sudden life now for a team that uh, uh, really not that long ago, people were, uh, well, let's just say that the Husky fans are always uh, kind of on easy trigger nuclear, but uh, uh, this is a uh, calm those tensions down just a little bit, at least as for now. Yeah, we'll have to see, obviously, right? Uh, you know, <laughs> that's true. <laughs> uh, playoff, playoff time, and I chuckle. This is the third installment with Max, of course, and uh, I'm very, very curious to see what the fourth installment next week is going to look like. It's going to be an interesting discussion for all of us involved. But, yeah, like you mentioned, I my prediction last week was that St. Cloud was going to lose in a shootout on Friday and then win by one goal on Saturday. Um, I was oh so close to that same point value on Friday and one goal away on Saturday. So, um, um, the exact result the Huskies were looking for, it, it wasn't exactly pretty. I don't think you want to blow a two-goal lead on Friday. Um, but nonetheless, I think by and large, St. Cloud, a lot better things in terms of uh, not only the result in the scoreboard, but moreover, the result when there were stretches of the game where they weren't the dominant hockey team. I think that we've seen uh, throughout the flip over for the calendar year in 2022 that when St. Cloud, when the game gets away from them, it gets away on the scoreboard, not only just on on the play on the ice. And I had a nice discussion yesterday also uh, with someone who is very close to Scott Sandlin um, and had a discussion last Friday uh, about the mentality for the Bulldogs going into the weekend. And Scott Sandlin said flat out, they're, they're a little bit nervous about, you know, the possibility at that point of going back to the Herbrooks National Hockey Center because they recognize how good St. Cloud is on home ice, 11-3-3, and and that big ice sheet does play favor to them. So it should be an interesting series. A lot of things trending in St. Cloud's direction. But, uh, again, playoff time is playoff time, and the puck hasn't dropped quite yet. So Here's some interesting uh, numbers for both of you because, you know, if you're going to be a St. Cloud or a UMD fan, and this was sort of the playoff matchup you were hoping for, but not in the quarterfinals. Uh, let's, let's, let's talk about this. St. Cloud, not uh, the last time they didn't reach St. Paul was 2018. How about this 
Duluth has made it at least to St. Paul. I mean, the semifinals every year since 2015 was the last time they, they did not make it to St. Paul. How about this, guys? This this series is, is kind of got some nostalgia to it. Uh, both these clubs have been fixtures, uh, at least getting to uh, St. Paul in the frozen faceoff. And it, it, to me, it, it's kind of weird that one of these teams is not going to make it there. Um, next, I want to throw it to you. Um, I think, yeah. If I'm UMD, I'm nervous, not only just for uh, your your pairwise and maybe sort of your standings there, but also for what, you know, this matchup is now going to Herb Brooks National Hockey Center. Um, but again, we've seen it where, for whatever reason, Scott Sandlin and this team, when it comes to the backs against the wall, this seems, seems to find a way. So is there still some glimmer of hope for this squad or are their alarm bolts really ringing up there in the arrowhead? Yeah, I think anybody that's familiar with UMD, especially the the seniors and upperclassmen on the team, they they are they they love the Excel Energy Center. They want to make it back there, and when they make it there, it's it's only only good thoughts, good vibes. I mean, we're gonna see it this weekend with a bunch of high school teams there. Hermantown. I'm wearing a, a jacket here to represent the the home school there. But there's a bunch of people from Hermantown on UMD. They've been you know they're familiar with the state tournament. There's a lot of other Minnesotans on both of these teams, but UMD specifically that have been there and. It's it's a, a nice feeling that everybody has been looking forward to as they're growing up and to get to play there in high school and the opportunity to play there in college. It's it's an even you know bigger milestone. So having that in mind is, is always you know one step. And UMD you know even more so than probably anybody else loves the X because they've won two national championships there. So it's it's something that those guys are familiar with. Sandlin is certainly familiar with. And it's uh, a home ice advantage for them, even though they are one of the furthest schools that would be playing there. Uh, it is um, a familiar trip for, for the people of, of Duluth, like you said. They, they've made it there every year since 2015. So playing at the Herb is is daunting. I mean, the, the bigger sheet is a little bit um, unfamiliar for, for most teams, for UMD specifically, for this conversation. But... As it stands through this series, um, they've had better better games um, at at the Herb. They've had you know no minutes that they're playing from behind there. They they did have a a bit of a nervous game in game two when they gave up a, a ton of shots. Granted, Fanti played on his head, so it's it's not something that they're they're scared of. That's not something that anybody should be running away from. And you know having having that type of experience is something that is a little bit more relaxing. And Noah, again, I think Max brings the point just because the Huskies secured home ice does not mean uh, that this is all in, in a way sealed and done for. I mean, we've seen it in this conference. Again, we predicted uh, on the Huskies Warmers podcast, this NCHC conference was going to be six teams heavy. We have certainly kind of been proven right in terms of Omaha kind of sneaking up into potentially maybe making a statement that I would still think they have to at least make the championship game, if not win out to, to make themselves a bid. Uh, but there's no easy games from here on out. Uh, so I guess how the Huskies keep a level head and keep, uh, I guess, the pedal to the metal, even though they will be playing a home ice this weekend. Yeah, well, I think that St. Cloud, as we've talked about in weeks past, is their own worst enemy, right? You know, they have the ability to control their own destiny or really shoot themselves in the foot. Uh, no secret, quite obviously, game one is important, but I think especially important for St. Cloud, you have a chance to essentially alleviate the pressure a little bit. Now, if you're able to win game one, that doesn't mean you take your foot off the gas pedal, but I think this St. Cloud team, especially, you know, with their backs up against the wall on Friday night, had a decent start. Saturday, they responded after getting the one point that they needed. St. Cloud has really benefited from having a schedule in the second half where they have been kind of one mishap away from really 
falling out of contention for, for a lot of things, not only in the pairwise, but in the NCHC as well. I think now it's to that point where maybe the St. Cloud team, there's been a lot of questions about that veteran leadership, about that mental composure. I would argue that it's almost it maybe even gotten stronger, like I said, because of that schedule that they've had. And they're maybe a little bit better prepared for this moment than a lot of people are giving them credit. Now, as we just talked about with St. Cloud hockey and tournament time, it's been few and far between for some successful moments, uh, not only in the NCHC, but uh, especially moving into NCAA tournament time. So really what it comes down to is, you know, win or lose, uh, St. Cloud a little bit better position at seven in the pairwise. But again, it goes back to the process. Are you playing the right way? This is the last potential series that you can technically drop before you get to the real deal in the big dance. But if you're playing the right way and you still drop the series, that's a good sign. And also, if you're playing the right way, you probably have the potential to take the series and continue your success on down to St. Paul. So so let's set the table, right? So uh, I would definitely think, Max, if we're honest college hockey fans, uh, the stakes are definitely much higher for UMD this weekend than they are for St. Cloud, even though really I don't think they're as far apart as maybe the the numbers or the standings indicate. Uh, but what has to change or maybe so what has to go right for UMD uh, to get two wins out of a possible three? on the road to her, but what do you have to see from the squad? And is it one of those where does Ryan Fanti have to be the best player, especially maybe in game one to give this team some confidence um, after again, the turn of the tides here the last, uh, you know, a little bit of time. Yeah. I mean, you, you kind of alluded to it there. The, the worst possible scenario here for, for either one of these teams as it stands right now is Omaha goes on a run. And if they do win the frozen face off, one of these teams is on the verge of on the outside looking in for the NCAA tournament. And that's all, you know, given what, what happens in hockey East for the most part, because only one team is making it from Atlantic hockey. And then we're talking about the ECAC maybe having two again, depending on what happens with the second and third teams in that division. So um, if you want to be comfortable, you have to win this series. And in order to do that, I think you're right. Fanti does have to be the best player on the ice and he does have to have a game like he had in, game one of this previous series or game two of the one um but i guess the second game it wasn't really a series because they were separated by a week but you know the middle two games of the four that they've already played here um technicalities we're not all about that in this series <laughs> yeah, just, yeah yeah of just course. ask the officiating crew oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> Oh, whoops. Sorry. <laughs> he, said it. he said it, not me. I did. <laughs> that brings up a, a phenomenal point. So these two teams are, I don't want to say identical, but UMD has 13 seniors or better, you know, or older, I should say. St. Cloud has 12. And that includes some backups and, again, technicalities in there, whatever. But the four games that have been played, UMD scored six, St. Cloud seven. Uh, shots on goal are 116 to 124 penalties are 1715 and it's just a matter of everything seems to be lining up that these two teams are, are going to be in a dogfight and we've used that you know saying a, a couple of times already whether it's pun intended or not it is what it is um on the season um Fanta's got a better save percentage better goals against in the series so far Rennick has been looking better so it's just a matter of which one of those goalies can step up and make a save that on paper they shouldn't be making that can kind of steal a game. So, so no, let's, let's use the term technicalities here, because I think this has been so great uh, to kind of describe uh, what the series has kind of been like uh, for better or for worse, honestly. Um, but let's do this for saying cloud, um, the technicalities, um, as long as you don't face wash, yes, Eastern Brodzinski, I'm calling you out right now. Um, it really has been, 
sort of that teetering on the edge a little bit. Um, we saw that um, in Saturday's game, although St. Cloud ended up winning 2 nothing, there were times where St. Cloud nearly took the keys and threw them across the rink and said, here, you can have this. Um, you had mentioned that, you know, St. Cloud is their own worst enemy. I, I don't think there's any case against that, really. Uh, but for St. Cloud, uh, minus those, what do they have to do to, you know, I suppose get to the next run to get to St. Paul? Yeah, I think playing to their strengths, like you mentioned, you know, with these two teams being tightly contested, I would wager that St. Cloud is maybe a little bit more dynamic offensively, and I would say Duluth is much stronger on the defensive side of the puck. I think St. Cloud's woes, you know, if you can hem St. Cloud in their own zone, that's where the trouble starts. We even saw that a little bit last year before the big NCAA tournament run to the national championship game as well, too. Um, and doesn't matter what level of hockey you're at, you got to get out of your own zone. And I think when St. Cloud starts to get in trouble, that's where you start to see the breakdown defensively for this club. So managing your half of center ice, managing inside your own blue line is going to be really important for both teams, not just St. Cloud. But I think St. Cloud has a little tougher time managing that aspect than Duluth does. Um, you mentioned also David Rennick trending in the right direction. Ryan Fanti has the edge statistically because, hey, 46 saves on 47 shots will do that for you. Um, not too bad. But the other thing that's, uh, if I may add to uh, for both of these clubs, they get a lot of help, by the way, in the pairwise with a lot of things happening out east and also in the Big Ten, Ohio State getting upset by Penn State. And they're oh, at 15, that even happen? 15, <laughs> 15 in the pairwise. So because that's called tournament time, hashtag AIC next. So, um, you know, the, these are these are things that we talk again about the process. Are you doing the right things? St. Cloud overnight is not going to become a lockdown Scott Sandlin S shutdown defensive team. It's not going to happen. But what they can do, and one of the things that they did so well, a la against the Miami Redhawks, who for some reason have suddenly given everyone fits. Max, you know that all too well. Um, is that oh St. Cloud does have the potential for a deep offensive firepower if they can put the right pieces together. Play to that strength. Understand that if you are getting across you know, center ice, offensively you have looked good, and especially you've looked good at the Herbert National Hockey Center against this Duluth Bulldogs team. Play to your advantage, be the aggressor, be on your toes, take control of the hockey game, and like you said, don't throw the keys away to the Cadillacs, start that puppy up and drive it down the road. So, so for Max, uh, let's, let's use that same pun for transition, right? <laughs> did, if, if, did, you, if, did you like that one, Max? I did, actually. <laughs> yes. Um, if you're going to drive the two and a half hours to St. Paul um, as your fan base, um, we already know what they need to do positively. I suppose, what are you hoping doesn't go wrong? I'm trying not to yell here in my own head. I would never <laughs> yell into the microphone, but, uh, you know, it's okay. Yes. This, this, we're in a safe space here, Max. It's okay. The <laughs> defensive zone turnovers have been an absolute nightmare for the UMD Bulldogs for three weeks now. I mean, we saw it in two goals in the second game against North Dakota were absolute blunders. And the second goal um, on Saturday against St. Cloud was the same type of thing where you just give it up and you can never give a two, two on O. I mean, the, the scoring chances of that are great for anybody. When you've got the scoring power of St. Cloud, it's awesome. Granted, it was a little bit of a soft goal. I was watching it with a, a, a goalie friend of mine who was upset that he didn't have a strong paddle on the ice and it just ended up leaking through. But that stuff happens when you give up those types of opportunities. So if they can play with a little bit more puck control and be a little bit more cautious, careful, and calculated in their passes and you know breaking out of the zone, I, I think they'll be in a much better spot. And, and Noah, I think... 
because again, we cover this team. If there's anything, uh, it's <laughs> if you start marching to the penalty box, that has been the theme of this season for St. Cloud and where things gone awry. Um, cause essentially what happens is, uh, Brett Larson can't roll his lines. Uh, you put guys that will not kill penalties. And that's been probably another soft spot has been the penalty kill for this squad. But am I missing anything? If, if, if a couple of things go wrong, uh, what would you look for to, to maybe, uh, turn the tides away from the Huskies? Uh, this is an intangible um, that I'm going to kind of push out there. And it kind of goes a little bit to Max's point. And I think St. Cloud in the early part of the calendar, your struggle with this being opportunistic, um, being the executioner, so to speak, when you have those opportunities, we've seen, for example, when St. Cloud couldn't, couldn't find a way to get back in the hockey game and close the door in a 46 save performance with Ryan Fanti. They couldn't find that killer instinct. They couldn't find that offensive opportunity. Now you go up to Amsley Arena, you have a turnover like Max just described. You execute. You make the play. These are going to be two teams that, like we mentioned, for better or for worse, they're not the powerhouses of year pa- years past, but they're still tightly contested. It's going to come down to a bounce. It's going to come down to who can find that extra opportunity, that creating that extra chance. Like you mentioned, special teams plays a big role. For St. Cloud, I still think on the power play, I still think St. Cloud's power play, even if they're not scoring, is still generating um, and continuing to, to do that offensively. But on the other side, like you mentioned, a penalty kill that was once very dynamic in the NCHC has struggled a little bit. Um, and just kind of making sure that you are taking care of business, obviously, in your own end. And playoff time, you see a lot of players that are they going to step up as PK guys? Are they going to step up as that go-to guy in the power play? Are they going to step up at five on five? Every area of the ice is obviously going to be so crucial. So um, I think if you ask Max the same question, he's going to give you the same answer. Every area of the ice is going to be important, and it really is going to come down to a bounce, staying out of the box, doing the right things, keeping the puck in front of you and moving north and taking the chances where they're giving, where they're given is going to be imperative for both clubs. Yeah, I so, was just going to say, yeah, no, go ahead, Max. Um, yeah. The UMD this year is 16.7% on the power play. However, against St. Cloud, 27%. They're three for 11. So, yeah. They're finding a way to take advantage of that, like like we were just talking about here, and Noah was bringing up um, the and, way and, that you and Duluth has been one of the best penalty kill teams against St. Cloud State on the opposite side too. So exactly, yep they're they're giving up one for thirteen this year. So they've found a way to to manage the special teams here, and I don't see that particularly changing. I think we saw it, for, you know, four games in a row. It was the same type of thing. It was just a matter of who was taking the penalties and when. So. If UMD wants to get that sort of advantage again, there's one person that you've you've already mentioned here that you kind of need to poke and get under his skin, and that's Brodzinski. He's already got six penalties in this matchup, <laughs> three for tripping, two for interference, and a roughing. So I may have had a, a bit of a bad statement saying he was a, a talentless hack or something <laughs> to that nature, which is untrue. He's a D1 hockey player. He's, he's a great player. But what that's telling me is he's been a lazy player as of late. Those are the types of penalties you see when somebody isn't in the right position, doesn't necessarily know exactly what's going on, or just isn't putting in the same effort that some of the other people are. Yeah, certainly. And, you know, one of the things, too, um, and by the way, he's a redshirt senior. So, Nick, if I'm not mistaken, does he have another year of eligibility? Technically, I could be wrong on that. Um, I don't know. But I hope so for Max's sake. Um, the, the, <laughs> the other the other piece of this, too, um, it comes out of frustration. Easton Brodzinski, for better or for worse, for all his defensive deficiencies, has been a goal-to-goal goal scorer. The guy that you park him in the slot or on the half hole, you give him the pot, grip it and rip it, boom, he's good for 10 to 15 a year, right? Uh, it hasn't happened this year. It just hasn't been that 
that way. And I think, like like I said, he's not the most fleet of foot in terms of uh, a forward at the Division One level. When you start to inc- increase all that frustration, I, I think it kind of compounded where he was taking some undisciplined penalties and now everyone has just keyed in on it and obviously, you know, dialed in and, and Max is taking notes dil- diligently with the binoculars, of course, but uh, you know, it, it is, it is what it is. Sometimes it, in an odd sense, those, as long as it's on the right side of the line, which Easton's plays have been questionable on, on that. But if he's on the right side of the line and being a little bit of an agitator, it can actually work to St. Cloud's advantage a little bit, knowing that you have somebody that can get under your skin. Um, you know, so much so that Max had to, you know, change his Kuroka Prizov jersey and his background to his Duluth jersey for the matchup. Although, to be fair, Max, I think you and I would both agree the Minnesota Wild, Kaprizov is not the issue, but the Minnesota Wild don't deserve to hang a jersey right now the way that they've been playing. But uh mm-hmm. Both what? of my clubs have uh, not been playing the way that they were to start the year, so I'm switching it back to the way I had it before. I'm I'm doing whatever it takes. Yeah, whatever but, it takes. But the only <laughs> the only difference between uh, your one club and the other, Max, is that the Wild are going to continue to be at the Excel Energy Center this year. I don't know what the Bulldogs are. Nikes. So. Well, um, well, put it this way: like, <laughs> if Saint Cloud wants to get there. Um, yeah, uh, swallow that pride there a little bit because uh, you said hashtag AC. How about hashtag Air Force? So, um, <laughs> but it's okay. You 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 want to go Fair. there? So uh, yeah. let's go there, right? Atlantic Hockey Powerhouse of NCAA. Come on, right? They went on to play more hockey. <laughs> so let's let's remember that. So okay, you 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 took literally a team that hadn't lost a game in regulation home ice, and you said screw you, let's go to neutrals. You know, let's go to neutral ice, and we'll just lose there. All right, cool. Um, well, so, it's, well, it's because the it's because the regionals are at neutral sites, Nick. We talked about this on our show. Come on, yeah, yeah. Denver is totally going to play a neutral site this year. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, so let's let's actually have some fun with it again because uh, you know having you toe on it's always been uh, he can't say heated, you can't say cold. Uh, how about uh, a dog fight? Yeah. Yeah. No, that's dumb. So <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's been colorful. We'll put it to you that way. Um, Max, uh, you said you didn't want to yell at the microphone. I actually do want you to yell at the microphone. Oh God, are we now. doing so, this again? Yes, we are. Yes, we are. Because, you know, for one, for one thing, Noah sometimes has trouble listening. And so I need him to practice that, uh, with Max we'll here. So let's see what, let's talk about, uh, just Max's thoughts here. Uh, my thoughts. I think UMD over the last two weeks has been doing what they were struggling to do a month prior. They have been getting shots. They have been getting the puck around. They have been getting their star players involved in the play. They just have not been able to get the puck in the back of the net. And that's been frustrating for fans, for players, for everybody involved in the organization and for college hockey fans in general. So what I want to see is don't change anything. The puck luck will change. They will start to put more in the back of the net. And I don't want to see any any modifications to what's been going on. I think they've played a, a great, great format and a great, great style of hockey. The last two, even three weeks, I, I would say that North Dakota series was awesome. They just, again, didn't go the right way. A couple of bad bounces. I think it could have gone a, a completely different direction there. So, yes, the, the results haven't been going in their favor. But, no, I do not want to see any major changes to this organization. No, you actually did pretty good there. Um, so now we're going to turn the microphone over to you. So let's let's see what uh, uh, Noah Grant's thoughts here on Hockey 2.0. 
Yeah, well, there's not a lot upstairs, just a bunch of dead leaves. So we'll see how much I can conjure together here. But, uh, you know, one of the things uh, that I think for St. Cloud, uh, I believe that they're, they're trending in the right direction. I think ever since the Denver series, uh, minus the Omaha matchup, St. Cloud, by and large, you know, Western Michigan, Colorado College, Duluth, um, they've looked good in a lot of their matchups. And I think they're slowly getting better and slowly coming back to the team that we expected them to be. Um, the other piece of this, too, uh, I think Omaha is maybe going to be a deadlier team in the NCHC first round that people are giving them credit for. I wanted to throw that out there as well, too. Um, and the last thought, I really don't have much thoughts except for I hope that the Herbrooks National Hockey Center is packed. I know it's spring break for St. Cloud, so you hope that that Friday night is packed and that it's packed with uh, Cardinal Red and Black and not uh, Maroon and Maroon and uh. um, But the last piece of this, too, I, I'm excited. I think it comes down to this. These two teams saw each other seven times last year, have the potential to see each other uh, at least seven times if this game goes to three series this year. And who knows, NCAA tournament, maybe an eighth time if you really want to get technical with it, depending on how things shake out. Um, so uh, I'm excited. I'm excited for a good matchup, good college hockey. And I really think we have gone back to this, and this is maybe going backwards from you know, what you just asked me to do. But I think there is a healthy respect among Duluth fans and St. Cloud fans, all things considered. You know, this isn't North Dakota. Um, so it's exciting. Uh, and it's a Minnesota matchup that I think a lot of eyes are going to be on. I do have one thing to add to that. St. Cloud in the first two games got home ice advantage with full fans. UMD in the previous series, spring break did not have full fans. So I would say that there is a little bit of a disadvantage there in the scheduling for UMD, <laughs> as as you would expect. I'm, I'm bringing up more technicalities here. So playing at the Herb while state hockey is going on, and you're going to have a lot of casual hockey fans that may be going to that rather than the St. Cloud game. I think this is going to be a much clearer um, game, a lot less crowd noise, a lot less involvement that than, than maybe previously before. So... I think if UMD does have anything to, to look forward to, that might be it. Well, if you, if you want to be technical here, Max, St. Cloud was so utterly prepared from their success in the pod last year and their COVID year that they're able to handle crowd noise or no crowd noise. The other piece of this too, the other piece of this too, quite obviously, uh, it doesn't matter who you are on either squad. If you can't get up for one of these hockey games, why bother showing up to the rink, right? It should be a great matchup. And uh, yeah, uh, may the better team win. I'm very curious to see if any of these three games extends beyond one or two goals maximum. I, I, we have yet to see that blowout hockey game. We saw it last year. We saw it last year up at Amsoil a couple weeks before the end of the regular season. I, this might be the time where maybe one of these teams does run away with a hockey game and kind of surprises all of us. Um, it has been tightly contested, so that's exactly how that works. The broadcaster's jinx where this series will just have, you know, blowout games and it won't even be close. Who knows? I'm definitely curious to see how this series plays out. Um, so with that being said, I need to get the, the Vegas odds predictions time from each of you. Uh, Max, uh, so what happens here uh, for UMD? Realistically, what do you think is going to happen? Does you does the Bulldogs pull it out? Do they bow to St. Cloud? Or uh, do, again, they, they rise from the ashes that was this last weekend and they punch, again, another ticket to St. Paul for the frozen faceoff? Um, so before I answer, I want to say it was a hundred percent on, on my predictions for 10,000 takes. I do a blog every week doing the, the previews for Minnesota, uh, college hockey games, hundred percent on predictions bro. and storylines. <laughs> so with that being said, I know that this series is going to three games. I have a strong feeling that, uh, as Noah alluded to, there is going to be a multi-goal win spread. Uh, yeah. On yeah. Friday. 
Saturday goes to overtime for the other team. And then a single goal win on that Sunday third game decision. Who is going to be getting all those wins? It's unclear right now. I haven't really, you know, dug into my my sixth sense yet. I haven't gotten word from the other side. But um, as a Bulldogs fan, I have to say it's going to be UMD. So it'll go win, loss, win for UMD. Noah? Oh, I'm up. Okay. All right. Um, I am going to go the untraditional route here, Mr. Nick Maxson. I believe the Huskies you win. You never a one- go traditional route. Shut uh, up. I, I, <laughs> I am going for a one-goal victory for the Huskies on Friday night and a multi-goal victory for the Huskies on Saturday night, a two-to-nothing sweep for St. Cloud. I honestly think, I don't know what it is, but I honestly think some magic is going to happen for the Huskies this weekend at the Herbrooks National Hockey Center. So we'll have to see, but for some reason, I just have a different feeling than everyone else at this game or this series is not going to go to three games. I don't know why, um, but that's what I feel. So I'm probably about to be proven wrong. We'll have to see. <laughs> okay. Before we part ways, uh, we did this before. I have to do it again because it was so popular. Um, <laughs> Max, I need your best chirp. If you were sitting in the UMD bench and you were talking to uh, the goon that is Eastern Brodzinski about the face wash, <laughs> they're on the other side of the bench. I need to know some some words between the benches, and then we'll go over to Mr. Noah Grant for the same thing. Uh, Mr. Max, um, let's hear your, your best hockey chirp. Uh, I've never been much for a, a, a chirping guy. I've always been a, a play on the on the ice type of guy. I have been known myself to be a little bit of a psycho with my, my physicality. Um, so be that what it may. Uh, I, I, I alluded to it a little bit earlier, just poking at Brodzinski over and over again, calling him a bully, calling him whatever you have to do. Um, you know, making fun of his smarts. I don't know what his girlfriend situation is. Dig that up if you have to, whatever you can say, you know, lick him. I, I don't care. We've seen it all on the ice, whether it's in the <laughs> NHL or NCAA. Well, that might actually get you kicked out of, of college. I don't know how that would work with face masks on either, but, um, Whatever it takes to to get under that guy's skin and start taking some some bad penalties there. Uh, we've seen it over and over again. Brodzinski hasn't scored a point in this series yet. I don't see that changing and keep bringing that up to him and just make him get frustrated. Yeah, on the other side for you, Max, uh, I don't I don't know what it is, but uh, you guys might want to call Fish and Wildlife or ASPCA because you have a tough time with animals as of recent. Uh, tough time with the Red Hawks, tough time with some Huskies. Uh, the animals have not been kind to you, Mr. Max, and I think it was adorable, absolutely adorable how you guys, you know, you were sitting in fourth place in the NCHC and then you watched it slowly fiddle away in front of your home fans. That's very nice. I wonder... What we're going to do for you, Max, uh, when we meet next week, how much I'm going to have to hold you and how much ice cream you're going to need when the Huskies take a clean sweep on home ice. Um, we'll see you in the NCAAs. It's going to be awkward when you're a four seed in the regional. Um, and best of luck to you, Max. I'm looking forward to it. Well, that was nice. Uh, <laughs> hey, uh, I know I, I'm not supposed to be chirping the, the Gophers right now, but I would take a four seed playing Minnesota. We've already swept them once, so let's go back to that. Yeah, back. Max, I'll be dead honest with you. If you guys are the four seed playing the Gophers, I will be wearing that maroon and uh, light yellow that Duluth has going on, and I am all for it. So let's go. So will I. And, and just in case anybody wondered what I thought, because no one asked me on this show. Yeah. I'm just kidding. We yeah, don't we don't care. That's can we go to the next guest? Who's the next guest? Yeah, I know. I'm I'm working on that. <laughs> um as long I, as you're not cheering for North Dakota, that's all I care about. Who cheers for them besides people who live in North Dakota? Um America's wasteland, right? So yeah. go, go, go <laughs> Omaha if you know what I mean. Yeah, right. Um, I think my prediction is the scheme who the, the team who scores at least two goals wins the game. 
I think the team that scores more goals in each of the contests will win, in my opinion, but we'll oh, see. Thanks, well, John Madden. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you wait, you waited that long to pull a good yeah, one he, out of the he, back pocket. He, he, waited, he waited the jag joke <laughs> for that. Um, you know, it, it's it's gonna be a, I think one thing that has to be said is this is really turning to be one of the better rivalries in college hockey. And I think, uh, no, you said it best. There is a, a mutual respect between these two clubs and two fan bases. I think both uh, squads know just how much talent there is, how fun this is really to see. And I do think that these two teams almost kind of prep each other for the NCAA tournament. They're, you know, with close games, how to be mentally tough. Uh, again, how to take, you know, you know, someone poking the bear, whether it's in front of the net or between the benches and how to keep your emotions in check. And, you know, obviously, you know, uh, executing and staying the course, you know, these, both these teams have an identity uh, that have gotten them to this point. And uh, it's not the time for you to, to start to, to do a facelift per se. Um, so I, I really think this is going to be a joy. Um, in fact, probably, the better the best series to watch out of the other um three when it comes to the quarterfinals and it's going to be quite a dandy uh with that you you know nick i just wanted to throw very quickly i'm really excited that this series is going to be sponsored by neutrogena did you know that because they're the connoisseurs of face wash just for max got it Sounds good. Also, <laughs> oh, Mike, also brought to you by Arainex for those who want to clear everything from in front of your face. Anyway, so let's, for, <laughs> with that being said, uh, we're going to need to wipe some tears away from our next guest, and that is Ryan Stieg, because unfortunately, St. Thomas's uh, season is over, uh, but we're going to catch him up on what uh, took place against uh, the Mavericks and more. Uh, what to see next year from St. Thomas. <laughs> Now joining us to talk St. Thomas hockey and also a little bit more in the CCHA playoffs. Ryan Stieg, as always, thanks again for joining us, bud. Yeah, happy as always. This is great. So, Ryan, let's talk about the, uh, you, I don't know if you want to call it the elephant in the room, but my goodness, to the college hockey world nearly have the uh, the Christmas present uh, 11 months early uh, with St. Thomas holding Mankato to a lead for as you said, two and three quarters of a game. Uh, so let's let's talk about uh, the end of the St. Thomas season. More importantly, how it happened. It was well. I was there Friday night, and it was a it was a great game overall. I mean, I think people are more focused on the fact that St. Thomas kept it so close, but you know that maybe oh, it was just like Mankato wasn't finding its groove or something. No, it's like St. Thomas played really good D. They tried to keep them. You know, Mankato from getting into a transition game. They kept him to the outside. They Peter Tomey had, in my opinion, his best game of the year. <laughs> I mean, he was making saves that, you know, maybe at some points in the year he would have let by him. But he was, you know, just – and you could see it was frustrating Mankato the whole time. Like, you could just see he robbed Cade, Cade Borchardt on the penalty, on the penalty kill right by the post, just stuck his toe out and got a piece of it. And I, you see Cade Borchardt just cringing and just <laughs> cursing on his way back to the bench. So it was like he played his best. Everybody else contributed. They got a goal from Luke Manning. They got um, Ethan Gower stepped up when he needed to, gave them the first goal. It was it – was almost like it all came together. It was building to that point. I've mentioned it, you know – they keep getting better. They keep getting better. Well, it's, it's like everything finally did. 
And unfortunately, it just didn't work out for them. You know, Mankato scored um, with five minutes left in the game. It just, it, it's one of those goals where you just kind of suck the life out of them a little bit because they had been working so hard and just controlling them. And when that goal happened, I just saw them just kind of have this Droop. almost like, yeah, sigh. I mean, like they gave it their all to the end, but you could just like, <laughs> it's like we kept him at bay for so long and it's like and to have that happen and of course we know what happened saturday they won one going into the second and then mankato does what mankato does and kind of did what everybody expected them to do on saturday night and that big eight two yep. blow up but that friday game that was something else i mean uh couple of the guys were talking about at the game they're like oh were were you nervous at all that you know when Mankato was having to battle back and some people were like no no I wasn't nervous and I'm like well the people in the suites behind me sure were <laughs> it was they're sitting there and I, I can hear them whispering like are they are we gonna are we gonna really lose <laughs> to this team tonight because it looked like the thing is when it's two two and five minutes left it can go either way you know, it'd be one thing if Mankato was up like 3-2, but 2-2 with five minutes, just a lucky bounce, or in this case, a botched non-call. Oh, my. <laughs> you know, that, that that could turn the tide, and that's pretty much what happened. So let's talk about that botched call, because uh, there's, you know, the video obviously circulating uh, around social media with uh, Enrico Blase just giving it to the referees, and, you know, when you cover the sport or any professional or, you know, even developmental league at this level, Ryan, mm -hmm. you often see coaches who, you know, there's, there's warranted outbursts and then there's not warranted outbursts. And, you know, for St. Thomas, there's no question. I saw the play. Uh, and I think everybody, an honest fan would say that this was a warranted heated moment by uh, Rico Blasi there against the referee crew. Oh yeah. No, no question. I mean, I, I saw the play happen directly in front of me. I mean, it wasn't, I was at a side angle, but I, you know, I wasn't, it wasn't like directly coming towards me, but I was at a side angle right where I was looking right at the blue line. And I was like, there's a penalty here. I'm not exactly what type it was because it was a side angle, but I said, there's definitely a penalty here and it's on Mankato, but, but no call is made and they score. Peter gets beat five hole and, uh, and it was, if you look at it, it I even got someone sent me a photo of the actual still shot of the first part of it, and you can see the guy literally sticking his arm out at the blue line, completely blocking him <laughs> from getting oh across to play defense. And then they get tangled up, and it's looks like there's a blatant high stick as he's trying to get around the guy too. So you got that, and that it was. It was so bad, and then, you know, <laughs> the focus wasn't necessarily on the non-call at that point. It was more so on how Rico reacted on the bench, and it, what I was most impressed in is that he was able to keep the beat with the Ole Ole song by beating the stick on the bench. <laughs> <laughs> like, they're chanting behind him, and I'm like, is he actually coordinating it? Where you know it's going Sometimes along, you become with the a director, Ryan. I mean, yeah, that was, that was and, truly impressive because, um, was, my wife was like, Hey, he's actually keeping pace with it here. I mean, that was, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, the clip 
He's banging his stick, points it at the ref, shucks the stick behind him, and really gives him an earful. And then after the game, a lot of people didn't see that part, but it, he had this calmness, like an angry boss who's trying to keep his composure at the end of the game. But you can see it just billowing and anything. He's waiting for the crew to get done. He wants to talk to the linesman or one of the refs. And you can see them off, and they don't want to come near him. Because they knew he's waiting for them, and they're they're huddled together, and they're like, uh, I don't know if we really want to go talk to him. And uh, so finally, one of them comes over, and Rico is at that point not in anger, like throwing stuff level, but very much in a I need an explanation kind of a thing. And he made the linesman, I think it was a linesman, made the mistake of touching Rico when he's mad. Which is yeah. not a good thing to do, especially when anybody's really no. mad, is to touch or put your hand on them, because that'll make it worse. And you could see Rico just knock his hand off when he tried to touch. It was that was a side of Rico Blasi that I have not yet seen this year. So that was, uh, but it, you know, it was warranted. It was a terrible non-call. His team was playing well. It completely changed the course of the game, and you could it. It was bad, and uh, it, it's unfortunate because that's what sticks out and not the fact that St. Thomas played so well throughout the game. And I picked them to win in my picks during the week, and people thought I was crazy. I believe Dan Myers told me to, quote, put down the hookah pipe or whatever. He that sounds yeah. about right. Yeah, but i i was five minutes away potentially from being right about it so it was like and you could make the argument too that had that call been made that mm -hmm. you probably would have been right uh yeah. you know and it, it goes to show that well just i guess saint thomas you just can't have nice things yeah and uh yeah, I was thinking to myself, God must really hate St. Thomas for being a religious yeah. school. <laughs> Considering Something. how close they've they could I mean they could have had six, seven wins this year, but it's always something happens in overtime or a non-call or just a bad break. And but yeah, that was it was an unfortunate way to end the year because they could have really even if they would have lost the series like in three games, they could have just said, Hey, we took down the number one team, number one in the pairwise look what we've accomplished and they could really build on that. And uh, it was unfortunate that that happened, but. You so. know, and, and it's, and it's one of those things, Ryan, where you do lose, um, you know, in that game on, on the scoreboard right mm -hmm. now, I would imagine that the message in the locker room was you guys actually won that game, right? Mm -hmm. You had a lot to be proud of um, the, again, I don't think anybody really, truly besides a few folks who followed St. Thomas at that, that this was going to be close. Now, mm -hmm. As we talked, we we figured Mankato would somehow win this series, whether it was in two games or whether it was in three. Mm -hmm. If I somehow I shocked the hockey world and just asked St. Cloud fans, like we said last week, they know a thing or two about getting shocked. Um, mm -hmm. Hashtag AIC, hashtag Air Force. Um, <laughs> but with that being said, right, uh, not definitely, you know, a kind of a high note to end the season. You know, I say kind of because, you know, again, you, you still lose the hockey game, but you, you, you took – uh, number one team in the country to the brim. And, and again, without, you know, was it referee interference is what we're going to call this. So <laughs> yeah. they, they probably could have won that game. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, it, it's, you know, there's no moral victories in college hockey and it, at, at this level. Isn't, but this is, I feel like is one of the rare occasions where you could say, look what we did. Yeah. We didn't 
lose. We have, yeah, we lost the game, but I mean, nobody, very, very, very few of people thought that we would win this game, let alone be even competitive in it. And we took the number one team within five minutes. We almost could have pushed it to overtime. Had that call not yeah. been made, it probably would have gone to overtime, in my opinion. Uh, so it just, that's something you can really put your hat on and say, yeah, we lost, but look, look what we can build on next year. We showed that we can keep up with good teams. We almost beat Tech twice. We beat Lake yeah. State. We almost beat Bemidji the week before, yeah. lost in overtime. You know, we almost beat the number one team. That's something they could really go into next year and say, we took a massive step. The first game we played, we lost 12 to 2 <laughs> to St. Cloud. Our next to last game, a playoff game, we took the number one team, lost by one to the number one team in the nation, and they scored that goal with five minutes left. So it, it's a big step that they've taken from the start of the year. Agreed. And, uh, you know, again, the, the story of St. Thomas and their run, you know, to the Division One ranking continues, I think, uh, just only because, uh, again, you know, Again, to me, they were my favorite team to follow uh, just to see how much they grew. And, you know, the feather in the cap for Rico, I mean, it really, to me, almost cements how good of a job Rico has done um, this year. And if there were any doubts from anybody in college hockey, they, they should be silenced just about now. Um, but, Ryan, let's transition a little bit just because with St. Thomas, the season done, um, I know you're still doing work for the CCHA, the team that you caught up with this week heading into the semifinal match with Northern Michigan. You had a chance to speak uh, with Grant Patoni uh, a little bit, who leads that squad. Can you tell us uh, uh, the conversation and maybe some thoughts going into this weekend? Well, it's I talked to Grant. Uh, for people who don't know, I covered NMU for seven years up in Marquette before I came down here and kind of focused on St. Thomas. But he, they're an interesting team this year. People remember last year that NMU beat Mankato in the semis in Mankato and – threw everybody for a loop like wow Mankato just lost at home to a team that they probably should have you know cleaned house with I mean they're just but it was a shocker and now they're in the same situation again NMU has battled injuries this year they're starting goalies out with Rico DiMatteo their captain's out Joe Nardi's out Colby Enns is a defenseman he's out I mean they're They've just they're hit hard. So, so but, things are looking up, right? <laughs> yeah, they're, they're, but the thing is, is they're powering through it. You know, they went up to they went to Sault Ste. Marie last weekend to two out of three from Lake State. You could make the case that they should have won it in two, but they just everything's coming together at the right time for NMU. That's what happened last year. Two out of three in Bowling Green beat Mankato, lost in the WCHA championship. Now it looks like it's going to potentially happen again. Took two out of three from Lake State playing Mankato. Um, it they're it's a fascinating look for them because it's deja vu for them in 2022. They were in this exact same situation last year, turned their season around in the playoffs, and they're they're so sh defense is not their strength this year. Um, I'm writing a preview about it so people can see that tomorrow so <laughs> they can see the full details. But defense is not their strength. They were 53rd in the nation. Their penalty kill was atrocious. Uh, yeah, not good. Yeah, not good. I don't know if people know the fact, but they were 58th out of 59th, and the only team below them on the penalty kill was a team I previously mentioned on the podcast a few minutes ago. Uh, so 
They're not good there, but they're strong offensively. Seventh in the nation on offense. Fifteenth, pretty good on the power play, too. They need to be good at both ends if they're going to beat Mankato. And Patoni had a great point. He said, I think the game will be determined in the first ten minutes of the first period. He goes, because if we can get through that, maybe catch them off guard, get a goal under the net, or just at least keep them at bay in the first 10, because Mankato likes to score quickly, and they like to, you know, set the pace early. If you can keep them at bay, or even get one on the board, that'll show, hey, we can do this, we can keep pace with them, and, you know, they could end up coming with a win. And I don't think anybody is just thinking, oh, Mankato's just going to roll <laughs> past NMU. Right. Like, NMU beat them in January up in Marquette. They've shown they can beat them in Mankato. So it's it's going to be a fun game. I'm looking forward to keeping track of it. Um, I, I was telling my wife, and we made the joke that, hey, you know, you left town after seven years, and NMU could make the NCAA tournament after you leave. So you could say... It was on you. <laughs> that's, why they, that's why they didn't make it in the seven years. You leave, and then they make it in. So that was a little far-fetched, but it was a fun little joke we talked about. So The the Stieg jinx, right? Uh, yeah. Ryan, so now it's prediction time. Again, This uh, obviously on paper, this uh, matchup does heavily favor Mankato. We did also say the same thing last week and nearly got burned again. Uh, mm-hmm. But again, what, what do we think? This is a... a uh, is this uh, is this uh, really going to be the tail of the tape, or uh, does uh, NMU stand a chance against Mankato? You know, I'm uh, I'm not going to go quite as bold as I did with my St. Thomas <laughs> winning Friday night <laughs> <laughs> prediction I made on my site. I think NMU is going to win Saturday night. I mean, it's not as bold of a pick just because. I know that they've shown they can do it. They've shown they can beat Mankato. They're in the same situation that they were last year, playing them in the semis in Mankato. They know what's coming. They're peaking at the right time. And I feel like everything is kind of flowing Northern's way at this point. Mankato blew out St. Thomas in the second game, as people expected. They looked shaky to me friday night at times like almost in the first period you know my wife said are they even paying attention right now like you know because it just it just they just looked a little off like the passing wasn't as dynamic as it typically is the dryden mckay looked like he was i don't know off in his own little world (laughs) for a couple minutes you know so and myers will love that comparison let me tell you that so <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah put down the hookah pipe i'm sure that'll tell me to do yeah. that but uh yeah i think enemy is gonna come out on top i think it's gonna be a tight one probably a 4-3 game or a, you know something like that or a 3-2 gonna come down to the wire but like grant said i think if they can get through the first 10 minutes maybe get one on the scoreboard you know keep mankato scoreless I, I think that they can carry the day, and I think that's what's going to happen. I, you, I'm picking against Mankato for the second straight week. I didn't think I'd actually be doing that, but <laughs> I don't like. I, don't like I think many people will be on Dan Myers' train that says, "Put down the hookah pipe." What the heck are you doing, man? <laughs> yeah. uh, but with that being said, Ryan, you did hear to hear it here first as Mankato is supposed to fall this weekend to Northern Michigan. Uh, Ryan, again, as always, thank you very much. We'll be checking back in with you next week on uh, some more CCHA finals action, and of course, a recap. <laughs> with a semifinals, but we need to head just a bit our west to Minneapolis and check with Drew Cove on the Minnesota Golden Gophers. Hoops fans, wow. 
Uh, the latest offer from DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA, is too good to pass up. I'm talking between the legs, 360 windmill good. Yep. New customers can bet just $1 on any team and get $150 in free bets if they win. It's that simple. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you can still take your shot at a big payday. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Basketball Contest. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Do it right now. Use promo code THPN. Bet just $1 on any NBA team and get 150 in free bets if they win. That's promo code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. 21 plus. Minimum age and location requirements vary by jurisdiction. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for a full list of requirements and state-specific responsible gambling resources. Void where prohibited. Minimum $5 deposit. Gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER. In Tennessee, call or text the Tennessee Red Line. 1-800-889-9789. In Connecticut, call 888-79-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NEW-YORK or text hope new york 467369. Now, join us to talk at Minnesota Golden and Gopher Hockey. As always, we're welcome in. Drew Cove, Drew, thanks for joining us on with this Wednesday afternoon and uh, the suddenly streaky hot Golden Goal for Hockey team. Hey, they're back. I mean, I don't know if you can count them as streaky when they had a week off, but, uh, you know, that's just a testament to how well they played at the end of the season. You know, it's uh, uh, they, they got a week off because uh, ended up with the Big, T- Big Ten uh, regular season crown. Um, so they got a week to relax, which they ended up actually not doing any really, really relaxing. But uh, uh, they got to wait to see who their opponent was going to be. And uh, now the Gophers found out who they get, uh, obviously, here in this one-game elimination here uh, on Saturday on the 12th. So with with the Gophers, uh, again, uh, someone argue that, hey, the last three or four series, uh, not great opponents. You had Wisconsin. Uh, you had Michigan State in there. Uh, yeah, you had Ohio State, too, which was a, was a decent team. But uh, for those naysayers, you were still not sold on the Gophers. Tell me why you should be sold on the Gophers and what their prospects are for not only the Big Ten tournament, but also how about the NCAA tournament coming up? I mean, I'd say just the completeness of their game. Uh, if, you, if you need to sell it, um, look at the way their third and fourth lines are playing against some of these teams. And you say, okay, top lines might match up because some teams have enough uh, enough recruiting power or enough staying power to say, okay, they can, they're not great teams, but they can put together a decent top line or a decent second line, that kind of thing. But the Gophers top to bottom up front especially are – are they're, they're pretty loaded. I mean, it, I, I, don't, I think it's fair to say that they're loaded at this point. Not really a hot take, I don't think at all. Maybe some of the uh, at MN underscore CAA, you know, maybe, maybe these, maybe these people, maybe some of my, my co- fellow co hosts here might disagree. Um, but I don't, I, I think, I think uh, uh, depth and uh, uh, I guess the packing, this lineup can just pack a punch. 
um, all the way up and down. And they have they have guys that are going to be sitting um, when these guys are healthy. I mean, Chaz Lucius is, is off the ice right now, and they're still putting together a, a team that when he comes back, it's going to be difficult to decide who comes out for him. And, I mean, you'd think that someone, once if he's able to come back uh, sometime soon here, you'd think that you'd want to add him to the lineup again. But, I mean, with the way some of these guys are playing, it's, it's, it's hard to keep them out. And, I mean, you just, you just got to look at them top to bottom, I think, all 12 forwards. Um, no matter who's in, um, they have enough guys to really make a difference every night. And, um, and that, can, that can leave a, a, guy, a, a couple guys here and there to have uh, somewhat of an off night, not obviously not like a terrible outing or some kind of like turnover battle and just like just losing battles to pucks, not skating well, that, t- that kind of thing. But um, the Gophers are playing really, really well up front. And, I mean, they've gotten, they've gotten some surprise goaltending to, uh, to, to, to keep that um, – to keep the defensive side at bay too. So I mean, I think it's just a complete package for any naysayers. They say, okay, you think the you think the Gophers are just a little top heavier? They got one dynamic scoring line, and they got you just hear Ben Myers, you hear Matthew Nyes. No, it's it's the whole group. It's uh, it's it's top to bottom. Every single person in this lineup is able to contribute and to shine just about any given night. And and it obviously it has been against uh, some some lesser opponents in the Big Ten, and it will be again here on Saturday. But you know, this team is. Uh, they're deep. And I think that that the way the roster is constructed is obviously for a time like this, for tournament play, for big tent, for conference tournament play and for uh, national tournament play. And, and that's sort of where the, uh, you know, the next step is for the school for its team, right? Is you, you want to see, conference success to a degree right but uh the Gophers sitting firmly what what could be right now a number one seed in a regional um if things stay the same at least and i think there's some expectation that there would be uh but you know as we look from this year to last year drew um this Gopher team i think is sitting a little bit better than they were last year in terms of their projection for playoff success especially heading into the nancy double a tournament wouldn't you agree oh i definitely would and i think it I mean, not to beat the beat the same drum, but it's uh that that completeness up and down the lineup, I think, really helps them because they're not going to be top heavy. They're not going to be dependent on just one line. They're not going to be dependent. I mean, and last year's team really rode on the success of Jack Lafontaine. I don't think as mu- as well as Justin Close has played. I don't think they're going to need to rely so much on just some stellar standing on his head play from Justin Close. I think they can get that from him if they need it, like in a, in a in a portion of the game. But I don't think that's going to be the mo of this team, and, uh, and and we've seen it so far. I mean, for the last for the last however many games, is that I mean, they've been able to come back. They've been able to they've been able to have nights where the defense and maybe close aren't uh, aren't red. I mean, they they fall behind early, and the team kind of comes back and, and wills their way back into games. Um, and they, obviously, they did it against the Penn State, the same Penn State team they're going to face here this weekend, but. Um, it's it's going to be it's going to be a bit different, uh, I think, than than last year's, and um, especially expectations going in should be different because I think this team is is uh, is is old is a lot older. They have a lot of the same guys coming back this year um, that were in that tournament last year, but just they seem like a more seasoned and ready and just physical and I guess kind of physically ready group um, to take on this this uh, this time in the national tournament. I definitely agree. And, you know, again, you, you got to start somewhere and that somewhere is this weekend against Penn state, a team that Minnesota took three of four from the regular season series uh, this year. Uh, I guess the Nittany lions again, uh, they were a better team the last couple of years. This year has not been their year. 
Um, again, uh, the Gophers getting that bye um, for the quarterfinals. They will face Penn State here in the semifinal. Uh, I guess, is there really a chance for Penn State, or is this going to be more of a tune-up game, as they would say, for the Gophers at Marici to prepare for them, which should be a clash with Michigan. At least I think that's what many of the early season projections had it as those two teams, the Wolverines and the Gophers, in the Big Ten title game. Yeah, I, I don't know if I'd necessarily write off Penn State. Obviously, what they were able to do this, this past weekend against Ohio State. Um, obviously, Ohio State was definitely a good team for probably three quarters of the season. Um, and then they kind of tailed off there near the end, especially when the Gophers played them the last time around. Um, they were a really dominant team for a while, and Penn State beating them, obviously, maybe while they're slumping at the wrong time in the wrong part of the year, um, it might not be the best indicator of, of, to, of to where Penn State is at, you know, just considering where Ohio State was. Um, but, I mean, they still beat a team that was high, that was seated higher than they were. And I think uh, the Ohio State team, uh, at least up front, has, has had some better talent and some more college, kind of college seasoned talent there. Um, but you know what? I mean, the Gophers, I don't, I don't think it's going to be a, a write-up, uh, I guess tune-up, I guess, completely. Um, but Penn State could come out and shock the Gophers early. I think like they did in that game where the Gophers had to come back. Um, it's just a matter of uh, coming back in that type of scenario if it does happen. Um, but I do see a likely scenario where it just seems like, uh, yeah, this is this is kind of the Gophers' time to to really uh, to to make sure that they can play against just about anybody. They can't overlook anybody at this time of year, especially when they when they're facing down a number one seed. Um, in a regional, um, the last thing that this fan base wants right now is some kind of upset, especially in the regional. Um, and we talked about it last week too. It's just this team. This team feels like it, the, the fan base to make to make go for hockey back, really back. Feels like the fan base really wants a frozen four or nothing else. So <laughs> it'll be a, it, it'll be a, a obviously a long road um, starting this weekend. But I'm uh, setting themselves up. They're going to need to do. Uh, all in their power to keep winning. I mean, after this weekend, it's uh, it's it's no losses from here on out. Uh, uh, that's just that's just the way it's the nature of the beast, and that's what makes uh, this time of year in college hockey so great. And you know, you talk about the pressure that it comes with this program again. You know, under Lucia, I uh, had some success again, a couple of national t- uh, titles to his credit. Um, the handing over the keys to Bob Motzko, uh, again, the the former Husky. Uh, at the end of it, you know, do you feel like there's more pressure on this team this year? Because now that they really, I mean, granted it was late, uh, turned really the, the heat up quite significantly toward the end of the season. And now there are some expectations. Or do you really think there's still uh, this feeling that, yeah, there's some veterans, but there's also still a lot of youth to this team and still a lot of this uh, roster is untested in terms of the NCAA playoff level. I guess, how would you grade the temperature of this team in terms of needing to win now or really, you know, like you said, or is it more of just this team kind of surprised here late and maybe the expectations aren't as high as they have been in years past? Yeah, I think the mix is right where uh, fans should justifiably have some higher expectations, and especially last year. Um, I don't think the expectations coming off of the team that came back. Obviously, this team, the team that came back in October is not the same team it is, as it is now. Obviously, with uh, some of those Olympians missing some time, they're back now. Um, but Jack LaFontaine is kind of the common denominator there. The, the, the Gopher fandom really, I mean, expected this team to be in contention largely because of LaFontaine's presence. And, uh, I mean, it was it was shocking. It was mysterious. It was, uh, it was uh, I mean, 
a lot of people on the edge of their seat, uh, uh, metaphorically speaking there with the, um, when he left saying, okay, what this team could, this team could just end up completely floundering here. And that's, that's not to say, uh, that's not to discount what Justin Close has done, but saying, man, the third, the third string guy who usually plays, it's, it's not usually a good sign uh, when the, when the third stringer who usually rides the bench and, you know, like we've said, plays against the, the, the third period against the U.S. under 18 team. I mean, the last time something like this kind of ha- has happened when, uh, I, I mean, I think Kent Patterson took over a year. I mean, this is more than 10 years ago. He took over the net uh, um, after Alex Kangas left and just kind of ran, went the, the team went on a run for a while with a really deep forward group too. But this, this could be a similar type of scenario where you say, I mean, the the, deep, the forward group is largely older. I mean, you get the Ben Myers, Sammy Walker, Blake McLaughlin. It's the, those guys up front. Uh, Bryce Bradzinski, I mean, is in that group down too. It's weird to think about him as in that kind of in that older group, but he, he's there now. And um, those guys kind of leading the way. And I mean, every team needs a mix of the older and younger guys. Every college hockey pro- program is going to have kind of that progression because you need the guys to stay here in the program as, as years go on. But it's uh, I, I think this team is justifiably set up for some higher expectations than they were last year because it is an older team. But and I think they were reset a little bit midway through just because of uh, the change in Lafontaine to Close. But I think now back on now that Close has really proven himself a, a pretty a pretty reliable uh, goaltender at this level, I think the expectations are still back up and high and uh, still. Um, a little bit higher than they were in in, in uh, some recent years past and kind of the growing pains of the start of the Bob Motzko era. So with that being said, uh, it is prediction time. Uh, again, Penn State, uh, you know, maybe a little bit, you know, to a degree, maybe riding high a little bit themselves. Again, uh, technically an upset against Ohio State. And as you mentioned, Ohio State, the last couple of weeks of the season, we're not trending in the right direction. In fact, definitely trending in the wrong direction. Uh, so, and as you mentioned, this is playoff hockey. Anybody can, anybody just ask a Huskies mm-hmm. fans. Yes, I'm going to rip them again because, uh, well, we, we, we know heartbreak um, on this channel here, Drew. But uh, do we expect a heartbreak for the Gophers fans this week? And are we expecting the Gophers to, again, uh, do what's expected? That is take care of business against the Nittany Lions and put themselves in the Big Ten Championship game. Yeah, I don't. I don't expect uh, heartbreak here, um, especially with uh, um, the recent success against Penn State. Um, I think the Gophers know what this team is right now. They know who they are, but and they also know who Penn State is. Um, I think this is going to be. Uh, uh, I think the Gophers are going to win it, um, but it's it's going to be. It's it could still be a little bit of a testy scenario because it is the playoffs, and you know you just say okay. I mean, Gopher fans too. Just like you say, St. Cloud. I mean, uh, Gophers. Gophers have the the Holy Cross game over their heads still. A lot of people. I mean, that's it's still. It's. I mean, long, long time ago. But uh, you think about that kind of thing when it comes to playoff time. But um, I don't think this is anywhere close to that kind of scenario. Um, I think the Gophers know how to beat Penn State. Uh, it's ready to. The team is prepared, um, and obviously playing over the weekend to uh, kind of some exhibition against themselves. Um, kind of staying in game shape. I think they're they're ready to go, and I think this should be a, a go for victory this weekend uh, on route to the the conference uh, championship game. 
Drew, one final question before we wrap things up. Again, thank you for joining me. Uh, you know, there's so much talk, at least from the fan side, about a conference tournament and how the good teams almost have this expectation where if you're really that good, if you're really truly a Frozen Four contender, you almost have to win your conference tournament. Uh, how much stock do you put in, say, a Big Ten tournament or the NCHA tournament, CCHA? Because at the end of the day, you know, these the teams in college hockey as of late it's the number one team has been a curse rather than a blessing. Uh, so mm-hmm. if you are the Gophers and let's just say that the worst comes to worse and, and you do end up either falling to the Nittany lions or you fall in the big 10 championship game, it's certainly not the worst thing in the world, but more so how do you keep as a, as a hockey player, uh, just the mental sanity of keeping things not too high, not too low. Um, really it's between the ears is what keeps teams going forward and not essentially becoming their own worst enemy or is that correct yeah i, I think I, I don't think it's a necessarily a, a make or break kind of deal for being becoming a frozen four team um that's why you play the whole season you set yourself up in the pairwise i mean you win the regular season championship uh you win that you win the banner uh to kind of get yourself that bid in the first place I see it mainly as just keeping competitive and, and showing what you can against good teams. And sometimes it matters on how competitive the conference is. I think, I mean, if you're playing, if, if you win the tournament in, in, I mean, obviously some of the, some of the Eastern uh, conferences in college hockey are, are at a weaker side at this point and where the West is kind of dominating the game. Um, if there's one dominant team out of such, out of, out of a certain conference, I don't know how much stock I'm going to put into that versus the champion of the NCHC tournament. Like that's, that's, that's a, it's a different animal. I think with, with how many dominant and physically just uh, burdening teams there are in those conferences. I don't, I don't know how much stock I'd put into it. I think it's a case by case basis, but you know, it's uh it, it, it definitely bodes well to keep winning and to keep playing. Um, so obviously from a confidence standpoint, you want to keep winning, but um, I don't think it's necessarily a barometer. If you lose, uh, if you lose uh, to a good team in a conference tournament, I don't think that should really, I don't think that really has too much of an effect. Obviously, in the in in the overall grand scheme of things, uh, in into how if a team is destined for the Frozen Four or not. I definitely agree. Minnesota, again, uh, situated in the pairwise uh, in the top five, as well as the college uh, coaches poll. So right now, a number one seed uh, potentially for a regional for the Minnesota Golden Gophers. Again, barring all the craziness that college hockey is, Drew Cole, over the next couple of weeks. Selection Sunday again, coming up March 20th. Again, Drew, thank you very much for joining me. But we do have Thanks. to head south on I-35. And then just a little bit west to check in with Alex Micheletti on the number one team in the nation. That is the Minnesota State Mavericks. Joining us here to talk Minnesota State Mankato, the number one team in the country. Alex Micheletti is back to talk Maverick hockey. Mr. Alex, how you been? Good to see you back. Good. Yeah, it's uh, it's coming to the best best time of the year here with, with playoffs. And uh, yeah, so really looking forward to it. We got uh, you know a bunch of semifinals and quarterfinal action going on in all the in all the conferences. So yeah, really looking forward to this weekend. We just talked to uh, Stieg not that long ago, and uh, we we asked about you know 
how close game one was for Minnesota State. Um, from a Maverick perspective, was it Minnesota State not playing up to par, or really was St. Thomas that good in that hockey game? Yeah, St. Thomas brought it. You know, um, Rico had his boys playing really hard, and uh, yeah, gave a really good scare, and you know, good for them for playing hard. And uh, um, you know, they could have just easily just laid down and uh, you know taken two beatings, but uh, they. At least the first game, they really, they you know, they right, right, right to the end, and uh, uh, kind of got, uh, you know, right at the end there, there should have been a call, but they didn't call it, and you know, Mankato scores and takes advantage, and there, there you have it. Uh, but uh, you know, quite the scare, but <laughs> could just still get another sweep, and uh, you know, on to the next round. Are, are Minnesota State fans panicking about that a little bit only because, again, it is St. Thomas? Um, I, I, we've talked about it on this podcast uh, and even a little bit with you of just how much that team has grown this year. It really is admirable to have watched this team uh, go from game one to their final two here against Mankato. Uh, but are Minnesota State fans nervous after this last weekend or after that Saturday 8-2 uh, to two victory? Or are they calmed uh, like a bit, a bit, you know, a little bit more settled into their seats again? Yeah, I think I think settled in. You know, scoring eight uh, anytime you can get that that many goals in a in a night uh, is huge. And so, no matter who you're playing, so and to get goals from from throughout the lineup, uh, and so yeah, I think that was just back back to normal where they've been uh, dominating teams. And you know, Dryden uh, he makes the saves. You know, when, when needed. You know, sometimes it's you know you know he'll have like ten saves, and but uh, you know he he's there for, for when, when they're needed. And so, yeah, you know, back, back to normal. And, uh, you know, now, uh, they play a team that's been a thorn in their side in the, in the past in the playoffs with, uh, with Patoni's, uh, you know, Northern Michigan Wildcats. So it's, <laughs> should be, uh, should be a fun, fun night, uh, down there in Mankato Saturday. Uh, Ryan also providing some insight from Grant Patoni. Uh, again, this team actually very offensively driven. It's almost a team of two extremes, Alex. So this team can score, but you know, like, kind of like another team that we are following in this state of the Minnesota weather, they're also giving up a lot of goals too. So, uh, you know, for Mankato, a team that's got balance in the lineup, this should favor them on paper. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, hundred uh, percent. For whatever reason, Patoni's never really found a goalie. <laughs> um, you know, they've had they've had trouble finding a goalie, but they've, you know, they they have really talented forward group and really good decor too that blocks a ton of shots. Um, kind of like similar to to Mankato, and so um, yeah, it should should be should be a fun game. But uh, you know, looking at the depth that you know that the Mavs have, they you know they should you know should take over. You got a guy like Ryan Sandlin who's not even on the first line, and he's got got 20 goals. So, um, yeah, it just goes to show you how much, how much depth, uh, uh, that Maverick team has. And I think that will, um, overwhelm them hopefully. So seems like special teams are also going to play a big part in this. Uh, again, yep. you, you talk about, uh, the defense of Northern Michigan and, and being maybe say porous is probably the best word, but on the penalty kill second worst in division one college hockey. So, uh, and uh, from what I hear, the Mavericks power play is pretty darn good. Yeah, I mean, got uh, you know Nathan Smith and Napravnik both have the same amount of points, and uh, uh, with Kate Borchard out there, that's you know one of the best uh, best lines in college hockey going, and uh, yeah, they're they're really fun to watch, and you got Ryan Sandlin out there too, and then on the back end, uh, you know uh, Kita Hirose and Jake Livingstone have been been really really, uh, really good, um, and 
yeah, so uh, the the Wildcats get in the box. Good luck. You know that's uh, that's going to really favor for favor the Mavs for sure. It certainly is a matchup in, in many fronts that favor uh, Minnesota State. But, you know, Alex, I, I think the bigger question here is, you know, Minnesota State, there's some demons here right from last year. Mm-hmm. This was the same yeah. team that you mentioned beat them in semifinals. Now, is there is there an argument to be said that maybe a little bit too much and pressure is applied by the fans right now? Because, I mean, if you lose to Northern Michigan, you know, for whatever reason, um, there's no question Minnesota State's in the field, in the in the Frozen Four field, for yeah. sure. Um, so it's not all bad if, if this goes crumbling awry uh, this weekend. Is that not right? Right. I mean, the, there's really uh, there's really no pressure on them. You know, uh, you know even if they lose, um, I think they'll still be a one. Um, and, you know, but it, it would be nice to, you know, to, you know, win the CCHA um, and you know, get that number one overall seed. You know, it has been demon for, for teams in the passing and including the Mavericks, but, um, you know, having that number one overall seed is, is still a huge honor and you end up probably playing AIC. So, um, you know, um, it's not, it's not the worst thing in the world to, to get an easier opponent, say, instead of, uh, you know, Duluth or, you know, so a really, really good team that shouldn't be a, uh, you know, shouldn't be a four, uh, or a three. Um, so, um, yeah, uh, this, this Wildcats team, uh, they know how to beat the Mavs. They did beat them up there too, uh, when the Mavs traveled up there. And so, yeah, it should be a dandy of a game. Uh, but you know, I think, uh, I think Dryden will, uh, you know, he, he remembers from, from last year and I think he gave up five goals. So, um, yeah, right, it's, yeah. yeah. So uh, it's time to, you know, time to get rid of those, uh, those uh, playoff demons against the Wildcats. And what was it besides obviously potting five goals? What was it about the matchups with Northern Michigan that, somehow some way they're able to get either under the you know Maverick skin or they just somehow find a way uh to come out on top do you know what it is what are they doing strategically that just you know just obfuscates what Mankato tries to do on the ice yeah they're a fast team you know it's just you know it's you know they they you know try to match what you know the, what the Mavericks uh um you know have is, is speed too um and so <laughs> this should be you know up up and up and down really fast game fast pace and uh um it, it's it's critical for the Mavs to get the first goal uh, because we saw on Friday St. Thomas got the first goal um and they really dictated play and so um and that showed on Saturday when the Mavs scored first and then just an onslaught of goals um so it's gonna be critical for for you know the Mavs to get that first one because if Northern Michigan scores uh they're gonna pack it in um you know so um, and, uh, yeah, it's, so it's going to be critical for them to get, get the first one and, uh, you know, try to cause, uh, cause some early penalties, get the, get the crowd into it. Um, cause I'm sure the place will be, you know, absolutely rocking and you know, it's a single elimination. It's not, uh, it's not two games now. So the, uh, you know, the intensity should be uh, way up and, uh, Northern Michigan has to win. If they don't win, you know, then their season's over. They can't uh, just rely on being, being in the pairwise. So um, they're going to bring it and, you know, their, their seniors don't want their season to end. So uh, yeah, I'm really looking forward to this one. It should be a chess match for sure. 
It certainly will be. And, you know, you talk about chess matches, Alex, you know, when you talk about two teams uh, coming together with speed, I think the one thing you actually try to avoid is to be a track meet, right? You almost want to slow things down a little bit. And mm -hmm. for the Mavericks, again, if you can clog up the neutral zone, if you can force turnovers in transition hockey, um, again, we talked about defense being a question mark for Northern Michigan. I think that's the blueprint you look to try to execute if you're trying to go in and take a win from the Wildcats. Yeah, they'll have last change, and so I'm sure they'll try to get uh, uh, the Nathan Smith line out there as much as possible, especially in the offensive zone. Uh, and uh, you know, like I said, draw those draw those penalties and let that let that power play get to work. Uh, and uh, yeah, it should should be interesting to see what, you know what they can do to try to neutralize Nathan Smith. Uh, he's just been an absolute beast. He came back from the Olympics and uh, was was on fire still, and so. Um, yeah, you know, good for him. And, uh, you know, he, he doesn't, uh, he doesn't just want to get into the tournament. Uh, they want to win this thing. You know, they had a, a lot of guys come back. Dryden probably could have signed and, you know, Reggie Lutz came back, Jack McNeely. Um, and so, yeah, it's, this is a, this is a team that, uh, you know, has got the monkey off their back with the NCAA win and, uh, you know, beating the Gophers and then getting the, getting the frozen four. And so, uh, they want to get back to Boston and they want to prove, you know, the doubters wrong if there are still any um, that they that they can do this. Selection Sunday, as we're recording on Wednesday, March 9th, is 11 days away, uh, Alex Micheletti, is where we mm -hmm. find out exactly where everybody goes. And for some odd reason, this year, it's three East Regionals and one random West End, Loveland, Colorado. Um, I still don't really understand how they come up with these sites, but nonetheless, uh, more than likely a lengthy travel for um, a lot of the upper Midwest teams that will be making this uh uh, making the NCAA tournament. And I, I just, I don't know. Let, let me ask you this. What, because we debated this uh, on another podcast, but you know, sure. are you in favor of the top four teams who do get to host? Or do you think the neutral site uh, is also a necessary competitive balance um, where you're trying to create an even playing field, even though someone argued these top four teams have earned that right. But again, this is the national tournament and even across the NCAA landscape, whether it's basketball or whatever sport, there's not really a single home game. These teams play in front of their own home base and find their own barn. Yeah. I think, well, I think college hockey is such a more of a niche sport than, than basketball. I think it should be on the college campuses that it's so weird how they, how they determine these, uh, these regionals. Um, you also have to have this, the cities, you have to get the cities involved to to host it too, and have hotel rooms and that sort of thing. But you know, I can just point to an example. A couple of years ago, when uh, Mankato played Providence, um, and uh, it wasn't in Providence's rink, uh, but um, it was right down the road, um, and so it was a de facto home game, even though they were the the lower, you know, they they were the lower seed in the Mavs, um, you know. Uh, just we're at a huge disadvantage still because it was pretty much an, an entire Providence uh, uh, crowd. So I, you know, I think hey, you're in the right to to host if you you know you get that one seed. Um, I think you get a lot more fans. Um, you know, <laughs> which which would be huge. You know, um, and so just a lot better atmosphere. You know, I saw some of the the timings for the for these NCA games. Are bizarre. There's like an 11, 11 o'clock game too. Yeah, like who's gonna go to that? It's during the middle of the of the, no. of the work day. Um, so it's just gonna be absolutely dead in there. Um, so uh, I'm sure that I'm sure that the players want to you know play in you know in front of a a large crowd, especially in a in a tournament uh, 
um, game. But uh, yeah, it's gonna be be really interesting. Uh, one story I'll never forget. You know, with uh, with with COVID and last year the Mavs going to Loveland and uh, just waking up that that the day of the game, just hoping that nobody tested positive. You know, because you know we saw what happened with Michigan having to you know to get out um, and they they Michigan probably. I think, I mean, they were the best team last year and I think they probably would have, would have won it all. Um, so, you know, it's it just, it brings up crazy, crazy memories. So, you know, hopefully, hopefully this year, no, no worries for any team. And uh, yeah, it should, should be, should be a dandy. There's uh it's really uh, a West heavy, uh, you know, tournament. A lot of the East schools uh, having tremendously down years. You look at uh, Boston college who, who would have ever thought they'd be under 500, you know, and they're, they're trying to make yeah. a run right now. They're they're hot, you know. But uh, yeah, it would be be interesting to you know to see um, a lot of those a lot of those Eastern schools not really make it. So. And it's interesting too because you know the, the question I often get asked is you know you know is there really how quickly if people want to make this change how quickly can it change and well we're at least in battle for the next four years again the the next right. four Frozen Fours are already um, up and running so just to give people an idea 2023 MLA Arena in Tampa 2024 awesome. back in St Paul I agree with you on Tampa <laughs> then St Louis in 2025 and how about this the one that I'm really looking forward to Las Vegas at T Mobile <laughs> Arena in 2026. And uh, it's not just that, but all the regional sites already committed. And a lot of the same names that we talked about this year, again, Loveland, uh, again, you have Albany, New York, Allentown, Pennsylvania, Worcester, Mass. A lot of repeat Fargo comes up a couple of times. Um, so you, you kind of wonder, is there a broadcast thing? I, you know, I really don't know how it works. I'm, I would love to know what the selection uh, <laughs> like what Allentown, Pennsylvania, is like. Allentown, Pennsylvania, that doesn't right? smell like that big hockey hotbed. Hockey hotbed, right? So. <laughs> But nonetheless, right, uh, it will have to wait at least almost a half a decade if things are going to change, you know, unfortunately, in my, you know, maybe, you know, sinister or, you know, opinion, it probably won't. Uh, But what (laughs) we can do, Alex, is we can do our final predictions for this matchup, Wildcats Mavericks. Um, Again, it's been a barn burner between these two teams. Uh, You know, there's been ups and downs for both Mm -hmm. Uh, who eventually comes out on top. Yeah, I'll flip it this year. I'll go five, five, three Mankato. Um, and they, they move on to the, to the final. And I think, uh, I think they'll play Bemidji in the final. Um, I just, I, I like, I like how Bemidji's playing now. They're, you know, they're hot. Um, and they're, again, it's another team, a desperate team that's, uh, that's trying to get back into the tournament. Uh, and, uh, you know, they, they play a style that you do not want to play against ever. Um, no. <laughs> And if they were to make it in the NCAA tournament, uh, you know, just ask Cole Caulfield and yeah. Wisconsin how that went last last year. So, yeah, I think uh, I think they'll end up playing uh, Bemidji, and uh, you know, that would be a fun fun championship game. That would be again a, a very lockdown defensive team uh, versus you know the juggernaut that is the number one team in the country uh, for most of the season in Minnesota State. Mankato certainly will be ready to follow along. And Mr. Alex Mecaletti, thank you very much for joining us this evening. Can't wait to continue to follow this Maverick squad. And that will do it here for episode number 22 on the MNCAA podcast. You can follow us on Twitter and on all social media, MN underscore NCAA. I'm your host, Dick Maxson. The playoffs are beginning, boys and girls. Here we go. We'll be here to cover it all for you. We'll see you back here next week.